Recorded live. What is up, Field Street Forum Radio is on the air. It is Wednesday. It is time for Field Street Forum Radio where we talk all things Georgia recruiting, all things Georgia football, all things Georgia. I'm your host, The Real Dre, soon to be joined by Jason Harry Dog. Tonight we have our good buddy Jake Roost calling in to join us. And he may actually be on the line already. Let me see if we do. Field Street Forum Radio, who do we have? What's up, Dre? It's Jake. Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on? You guys doing all right? Ah, doing great, doing great. Just waiting on Jason. You know how it is. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not exactly prompt all the time around here, but yeah, it's all right. You were right on it. So what's been going on, man? Ah, uh, same old same, man. Just uh, you know, trying to make it through this season grind. It's a little bit of a brutal one this year uh, with all these uh, all these road trips we've had uh, in the past, and then we got we got some tough ones coming up too. So uh, it's been. The season felt like a little bit more of a grind than last year did already. Yeah, those back-to-back Missouri and Ole Miss games were probably put a little toll on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those take it out of you. I will say, though, Missouri, uh, best barbecue I've ever had in my life out there in Kansas City. So it was well worth the trip. (laughs) All right, well, tell me that before we get to recruiting, what's going on? on the field as far as Georgia in, in your mind? I mean, I know we're three and one, which, you know, people seem to have forgotten because of the severity of the loss that they just had this past week. But, you know, there were some signs, obviously, leading up to that loss where, okay, maybe everything's not quite, you know, kosher going on right now with particularly offensive line, maybe even defensive line as well. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on this season so far? Uh, you know, I, I really agree with that. I think that it was a case where, uh, you know, last week you knew there were problems, like you said, and I think last week just kind of uh, uh, put them in your face. I think it exposed them to a, a very high degree. I mean, you'd seen Georgia struggle in the secondary happen again. Uh, you've seen them kind of deal with, uh, you know, Drew Locke uh, was a little bit tough for them. Mitch Trubisky was able to do some things against them early on. Uh, again, uh, you know, they're able to come out. Ole Miss, uh, one of the best guys under center in Chad Kelly, uh, probably the best quarterback I think Georgia will face all year, uh, you know, kind of carves them up, gives them some problems. And then, again, you're dealing with the offensive line issues. Uh, they, they let Jacob Eason get rocked a couple of times. So, uh, it, it, the big thing, the big disappointment for me, we knew those were problems. And I guess we knew that this was also a problem, but I, I hope it would have been fixed by now, and that's the drops. Um, it's just been surprising, yeah. I think, to see how many balls they've uh, kind of let slip through their fingers, uh, especially in, you know, key moments or moments where they could have got some momentum, got something going. And, you know, I've told people, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what you say about, you know, Jacob Eason or, or even what Kirby Smart says about the kid's demeanor. You know, to some degree, that's got to mess with a young guy's head when a veteran receivers aren't out there making catches for him. So, um, you know, I think he's done a really fine job at this point. But, you know, they just got to get everything clicking. It doesn't seem like they've been able to put everything together. Uh, it's been a lot of strong individual performances up to this point, but not a lot of cohesion. Right. Um, and another thing, too, real quick, was obviously – just not getting the push. How much of of the running game has has it been? You know, we saw Nick Chubb explode out of the gate. You know, with 220 yards in the first game, everybody's like, "Oh my God, he's back completely." 
now the last three games, it's – I don't necessarily want to say he's not back, but I don't think he's back to where he was. Do you agree with that as well, or is it yeah, more I do. so the running game? You know, I think that he's done I, – I think that he's done some classic Nick Chubb things. I mean, we've seen him get in there and bounce off some tackles and things like that. But, you know, as far as as far as far that explosion and just that, that next cut or that next man missing, I just hasn't been there as much. And, and you know, like you said, you've got to attribute some of that to those offensive line issues. I think that uh, they've, they've well underperformed uh, uh, to this point what I thought they were going to do. I, I thought it was going to be uh, – uh, a somewhat better year for Georgia in that regard this year because they were returning some experience. I thought they were returning some guys that could get in there and kind of anchor it and, uh, you know, pull them all together. And then you plug in a fifth-year grad transfer, a big guy like Tyler Catalina. I, I thought they had the right re- recipe, but uh, to this point it seems like they're they're really struggling to get those pieces all working together. So it's been a little bit surprising. And I know it's been tough for Nick. I mean, even Brandon Cablano said on Monday, he said, you know, the kid deserves better blocking than what we're giving him. Right. Well, this but, this may this may or may not make sense, but for some reason it doesn't seem like his vision's the same. Because I mean, I've looked at some you know decent bit of highlights and replays and all that, and I've seen, God, I guarantee you six or seven where he normally, you know, I mean, it may have been designed to be a right a run to the right, and you know, whatever. And, you know, he's always had that cutback when there's a huge hole to the left that the run was going to the right. Right. I've seen him six or seven times where he's missed that. Yeah, you know, and and you you start to wonder, you know, I mean, we know how much of a warrior the kid is that he put himself back in this position to be out there on, on Saturdays. But by the same token, I mean, it won't be – it wouldn't be the first time we saw a guy come back from an injury and, and kind of, you know, take it a little bit gingerly or maybe not be comfortable making those same cuts from a physical or from a psychological standpoint. You know, I, I think we saw that with Keith Marshall right after his ACL tear. And obviously it's just, it's something guys have to acclimate to. I don't think it's the case with Nick where he's never going to be able to get back to that form. But, uh, you know, I, I think at this moment that, that may be weighing heavy on his mind. It certainly looks like it, I think, when he's out there. Right. Um, how about this? Uh, are you seeing or hearing anything about maybe there's been a lot of talk about upperclassmen not really buying in or maybe being a little frustrated with the style that the Coach Smart and the coaching staff have brought to Athens? Are you seeing any of that or, or hearing anything about that? Um, you know, I haven't heard too much about it. Uh, you know, you, you see a little bit of that play out on the field, but it's to be expected. I mean, these, these, it's, it, it's, Kirby Smart's a totally different guy from Mark Rick. I don't think anybody would disagree with that at this point. Um, <laughs> He's uh he's definitely put his stamp on things and you know guys uh you know for better or for worse I think that there was always a sense under Mark Rick that uh you know that there was some levity to to, to upperclassmen there was there was a, an advantage to being an older guy a senior you know you you paid your dues you put in your time you could see the field and uh you know the fact that Kirby's opened things up as wide as he has uh and the way that he's approaching things I guess his in, his in game adjustments even um you know. We saw we saw him put some D linemen out there on the O line the other day. I mean he he's got he's got no qualms about uh, you know throwing anybody in or out at any time. So I'm sure that that's been a transitionary period, and I can see where you'd have some guys who uh, you know didn't love that necessarily. But again, it's it's his system and it's it's his show, and uh, you got to get on board or or sink. Right. Yep. No doubt about it. 
Uh, let's talk some recruiting, man. Um, of course, probably the strongest recruiting position right now is is at running back with uh, Tennille Carter and DeAndre Swift. Do you see Georgia? Obviously, I guess Cam Akers is coming in for a visit soon. Uh, do you see another running back being added to this class? Uh, you know, I, I think that I think Cam's a bit of a pipe dream. I mean, if, if he wanted to come, or uh, let's say Najee Harris woke up tomorrow and, and decided that he he wanted to be a bulldog, <laughs> I mean, they're not they're not going to turn those guys away. But uh, you know, I, I don't see a situation where they're going to get on anybody extra hard or, or or even try to you know add a third guy in. I, I think it's a situation where they feel comfortable with what they got, uh, and at this point, it can only. Uh, get better, and they'll only let that happen if it's the right fit, the right guys for that. I, I, I don't think that there's more than one or two of those guys out there. So, uh, right. like, like you said, I, I think it's easily their strongest position. Del McGee's done a hell of a job in uh, year one. I'm really impressed with what he's done with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, how about also, you mentioned the drops earlier. George is going to have to bring in some playmakers on the outside. Have they done that so far? Obviously, Mark Webb. Matt Landers and Trey Blunt, but still after some big names, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think I, I really like the three guys they've already got in. I think uh, I think Trey's a real solid kid. I think he does a lot of things really well. I, I mentioned last week um, in, in a post I did over on the ball that uh, I, I think Mark Webb reminds me a lot of the things that uh, Van Jefferson brought to the table. Um, you know, he's he's just he's that kind of solid route runner. He's physical. He knows how to block. I mean, he's not quite as polished as uh, Van was at this time, but, you know, Van's dad's been an NFL coach for 11 years, so that's a pretty tough standard to hold any kid to. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he, I think he's very similar in that mold, and, and I love Landers. I think Landers is one of the more underrated pieces of this class just by fans and, and also by recruiting services. I don't think we've got it ranked uh, where he should be. He's he's put up great numbers so far this season. He's He's proven to be really big, really physical, um, you know, just a, a really outstanding athlete. So I like the guys they've already got placed, but like you said, they got to finish strong. I think that that's probably going to include, you know, maybe the likes of uh, uh, obviously they're in on Nico Collins and he'll be visiting this weekend and uh, he would be a huge hit. I mean, obviously there's plenty to sell him and, and plenty of available time. Uh, if guys start dropping balls again this weekend, I, I guarantee you uh, James Coley won't hesitate to run over there and, uh, and shout up Nico. Um, but he's he's probably you know I mean he's he's probably your uh, your dream. I mean he, he's your dream option. I'd say right behind him though you got uh, uh, Jeremiah Holloman, who who I still think you know even for all the back and forth and the Tennessee talk, I, I think it's going to come down to who takes his brothers and walk on and. I think that that makes the most sense of Georgia because he's going to be able to pay in state tuition at Georgia. So uh, I, I think Holloman's probably going to be your guy. And then I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. If, if they're going to go for a fifth spot, uh, I don't know necessarily who that'll be just at this point, but uh, it, it definitely won't surprise It wouldn't surprise me to see him just go with, uh, go with those four guys and maybe spend the extra position on alignment. Right. Um, yeah, Nico, a lot of people – Thinking just you know because he's in Alabama, they think he, he's pretty much a lock to go there. But I don't know. You just kind of get the sense that he may be looking out of state for some reason. Yeah, I, I do. I think that, I think he's a kid who's going to kind of do his own thing. I, I really do. I, I, at this point, now I will say, ask me again a little bit closer to signing day because 
how many times is uh, how many times have the kids said, "Oh yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going," and then you know uh, somehow three days out of signing day, Nick Nick Saban comes by and convinces them that uh, they need to be Crimson Tide. So yeah, uh, but you know Michigan's a big a big school to watch with Nico as well. I think he, he's been there plenty of times. He's given them a lot of love. I think that he really likes what Harbaugh's doing up there, and uh, uh, you know I think it's a situation where. Uh, they're they're going to end up being a major player up until the end, but but I don't think Georgia's out of that contest by any means. I think that they're going to be able to hold their own. I think they'll be able to um, you know stay involved with that one, and and really that's all you can ask. You know if they can uh, if they can keep it going, then uh, get them on campus. That's all you need. Right. If if there's another position of strength right now, it's the offensive line, which is again a position of need uh, with Notori and Schaefer, Big Demery, and and Andrew Thomas. How many more guys do they bring in, and and could JUCO play into the plans here? Yeah, I think I think JUCO is probably your best route, to be honest with you. I think it's probably the best way to go for it uh, mm-hmm. because I, I you you want a guy to come in and and replace Catalina and and be able to contribute at a higher level than what he's shown so far. And, uh, you know, you're going to find that with the JUCO guys who have the experience. I think for the most part. So, um, you know, the guy I'm looking at there most closely is Badara Traor. Uh, the kid out of Asa College up in New York. I mean, six foot eight, three hundred fifteen pounds. He's a monster. Um, made it pretty clear that he wants to come play down south. So I think that he's uh, got to be what Georgia is selling hardest right now. But I, I think that they probably take two more linemen. I don't think that there's any reason not to. I think that they've got the the spots to use. I think that the need's large enough, and uh, you know, there's some options. There's some great options on the table. I think there's. Still some good in-state options kind of laying around out there. Uh, you know, Tony Gray, you got Caleb Chandler up in Jefferson, who I still think would come to Georgia in a heartbeat. Um, mm. But you've also got your wish list, guys. I mean, uh, Isaiah Wilson, Walker Little. Uh, Makai Becton is a guy uh, out of uh, out of Virginia that I just sort of get the feeling that Georgia's going to kind of be in it till the end for him. He's uh, – he said he's going to wait till signing day. Uh, I talked to his mom earlier this week. She said they're excited to come down and, and check it out. So uh, I, I get the feeling that Georgia's going to be hanging around for Makai. He's a big, big kid and a, and a heck of an athlete, too. Right. Talking with Jake Roos from UGA Rivals. Um, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, of course, we have Robert Beal and Devontae Wyatt already already committed, and he's another one that should be moving up the rankings, too, I would think. But um, – what what is the deal there? Obviously, Aubrey Solomon and Malik Herring are probably the two. I think Georgia fans are kind of waiting to hear from. What what's the what's the wait on with those guys? Are they waiting until signing day or just later on in the, in their season or what? Uh, I, who knows what's going on in Malik Herring's head, man? I, I I wish I could I wish I could figure out what that kid's thinking. Now he's he's you know he's made a he's put a decision date down and he's backed off of it and. You know, there was a time when everyone felt like if Georgia would offer, he would commit on the spot. And then, you know, there's rumors that Clemson's rising and the whole thing for him. But overall, you know, in the end, I think I think Malik is going to be a, a bulldog. I think, you know, as of today, I think that he's still Georgia-bound. I think that, you know, the relationships he's made, not only with the coaches, but also with this class uh, that's coming in, I, I think are going to be a lot for him to turn down. I would be really surprised to see that. And then, you mentioned Solomon. I, I just can't see him going anywhere else, especially if his mom's playing as big of a role uh, as he's mentioned that he wants her to play, uh, you know, going forward. She's she's totally sold on Georgia. I, I think that, you know, she loves him probably more than he does, and I, I think he's already a big fan. So 
you know, I think both of those guys, Georgia is sitting in the driver's seat right now, and uh, it, it'll it'll surprise me if if they're not if they're not Bulldogs Cup signing day. Right. Um, sliding back to the linebacker spot, is that kind of the position you think where Georgia has the biggest upside? I mean, we got Jaden Hunter, uh, but as far as potential for this class, I mean, obviously McBride and KJ Britt, Warner, Monty Rice. Walter Grant, there's all kinds of guys. Who else? Who all is kind of standing out to you right now as far as potential for Georgia's linebackers? Yeah, you know, that's – I think you kind of hit it on the head. That is – that's going to be the group that I feel like Georgia's got the biggest chance to improve at this year, and I, I think Lynn Schumann's going to have some fun new toys to play with uh, come next fall. Um, you know, I, I, I think Monty Rice is a guy who's probably very close uh, to committing. It won't surprise me to even see him possibly make a move after this weekend. Um, you know, he's kind of been waiting around, and uh, but but has seems to have no real timetable. You know, mentioned he wants to take some visits, but has made it pretty clear that Georgia's the school that's shown him the most interest. So uh, I had a chance to get out and watch him, and, and he's a great fit for what they want to do. I think he's a, you know, he reminds you a lot of those Kirby Smart linebackers at Alabama. He's a big, big kid. He moves really well, um, and, and just has a real nose for for the football. His his coach gave him some really high praise after the game, and. Uh, it sounds like his season's only gotten progressively better. So Monty's probably, I think, the kid who's closest on that list. Um, we we just got down, uh, or not me, but uh, Woody Womack got down and saw Nate McBride. He said he's still feeling pretty confident about George's chances there. Um, you know, said it's it, it's it's been a little bit of an up and down season, I think, for Nate with him coming back uh, from the injury kept him out last year, but. A lot of those things are still there that make him such a special player, the speed and, uh, you know, his, his willingness to strike and, and just how hard he hits. I mean, the kid's, the kid's a bullet train. So um, mm-hmm. uh, it, those two guys are, are probably the primary guys. Then, then you know, it, it's kind of up in the air. I, I don't see KJ really. I, I think he's probably destined for Auburn. I, I right. can easily see a situation with Leonard Warner where, uh, you know, he makes the choice to go out to Stanford. I mean, he's got the grades. He's, he's been accepted there. He, you know, what can you say? You can never right. – I, I, can, I can never I can never bust on a kid for picking Stanford over at any school. I mean, that's an incredible place to go. So, um, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. But uh, the, the guy I would keep an eye on, and really I want – the guy I want Georgia to kind of get back in on and, and, and pressure even more heavily is Tyler Taylor. Um, you know, I, I think he's a I think he's a, a great player out of uh, Lanier High School. I think that he's a kid who, uh, like I like I said about Monty, he's big, thick, he can run, um, he, he's a striker, and, and he's just a good young man overall. So um, he he he'd be really high on my list. Uh, you know, the one guy I think we left off the list too was Marcavius Bryant, and right. I got a chance to go down and see the big cat, and uh, you know, I, I think that. I think he loves what George has got to sell, and, and um, I think they're in a really good position for him, too. So I could see maybe that group of four. Uh, you know, Tyler Taylor would probably be the one I'd say I'm least confident in. At this point, I think Oklahoma uh, is going to create some problems uh, for anybody else at this point. But, uh, you know, I think uh, between between Monty, uh, naming Bride, and then uh, uh, Markavius, uh, I, I think you're going to have some real some real playmakers in that group. Good, good, good. Um, and then, of course, secondary, we've got, you know, William Poole, uh, Brini is committed. How secure are those two commitments, and where does Georgia stand secondary-wise as far as, you know, obviously D'Angelo Gibbs is a, is a huge target as well. 
Yeah, that's that's really the area that's kind of got me scratching my head a little bit right now. Yeah. I, a lot of guys sort of uh, – it, it seemed like at the beginning, uh, you know, you had Jemias on the board, you had A.J. Terrell kind of out there, you had Xavier McKinney, um, and, and then all those guys have sort of trended away, even though I know Xavier decommitted from Clemson, it, it, or uh, it seems like – or I'm sorry, Alabama, it seems like he's, uh, you know, just been standoffish about Georgia since then. So that's been a bit of a surprise to me. I, I thought that he would he was a guy that, that uh, could easily find himself back in the fold. But, you know, I think everything's solid, obviously, with Richie McCown. I don't doubt that kid's commitment at all. I, I think uh, I think Poole's really solid. He's made that pretty clear on social media, you know, that Georgia's the place he wants to be, and, and uh, he's really in love with it. But, Brenny's the guy I'm watching. He he's you know he's down there in Florida. That that's always tough to pull those guys, especially as the time passes. Uh, he's going to get out and take some business. We know he's already been by to see Mark Ricks at Miami. So uh, I'm definitely keeping my eyes on him. I, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I'll tell you what. I, I think they definitely need it. I think that uh, this is a maybe an int- uh, maybe a little bit tougher defensive back class for them than they initially thought. I think going into this year. Yeah, and of course, some a group that we don't normally talk about in recruiting, but uh, Georgia's got to have a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you got any eligibility left? They might call you. Hey, maybe, man. I don't know. I can kick it about forty yards, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I know, Jason. Uh, you had a little article about a, a kicker the other day. What was his name that you you were talking about? Oh, the uh, the kid from. Uh, Hey, Cole Phillips. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. What yeah, Cole, well, yeah Cole, go ahead. Yeah, well, Cole will be up here this weekend. Um, you know, he he said that uh, – what's been interesting, I thought, about his recruitment is that he said Kevin Chair is the guy who's kind of taking the lead on it because he's been down there recruiting uh, Walter Grant at KRO. And, um, you know, he said that he's excited for the opportunity. I mean, he's been posting the videos to Twitter and, you know, uh, kind of at and Kirby Smart and, and uh, trying to make his, get, his, get his name out there. And he looks like an impressive young kicker. The other guy to watch uh, is another guy who will be here this weekend. That's Brenton King, um, kid out of Mill Creek High School. Uh, another real solid kicker. Grew up loving Georgia. Said he's – obviously he's from uh, – uh, Houston, Houston, I don't know even how the hell you say it out there. Uh, he's from outside Winder, um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's Bulldog territory. He said, you know, he grew up a fan, his whole family's fan, so it meant a lot to him, and I, I don't see any way Georgia gets out of this uh, out of this recruiting cycle without spending one of those scholarships on a kid who can kick a, a field goal. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, I, it's been. I'll bring them both. Give one a scholarship, bring one as a walk off. I don't care. Yeah. Bring them both. I think you kind of have to. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Got a question in the on the fieldtreeforum dot com chat room. Uh, what's going on with Tyrone Truesdale? You know, Tyrone is an an interesting kid. I think that uh, I, I've been surprised that, that Georgia's. I, I was surprised Georgia's pursuit for him was never any higher than it was. He was I mean, he came down to uh, the Rising Seniors game and certainly looked the part. I mean, he's a, he's a big, massive, thick kid. Um, yeah. But but Georgia's just kind of never gotten involved in that. And I think, it, I think part of that has to do with the fact that, um, you know, they're looking more for the guys, I think, this year. Like, uh, well, you've you got Devontae, and if you get Aubrey Solomon, those are, those are your interior guys. And, and I think Kirby's made it pretty clear that, 
they've got a glut of those guys. I mean, you got Michael Carter, you got Trent Thompson, you got um, you know John Atkins, you got Tyler Clark, you got uh, uh, I'm blanking on the third kid for oh Rochester. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you've got you've got these big, massive guys up the up the gut, but they need some true DMs. They need some guys like David Marshall. Um, and I think that you know they're they're looking for some guys like that. I think that uh, uh, Aaron Sterling would be a great fit there. And uh, Dan McDonald just went by to see him. We got the story up over UGASports.com. And uh, you know, Aaron says he's getting a lot of love from Kirby. Says uh, you know they're they're telling him they need him there in Athens. That uh, he's a kid that I definitely keep an eye on because he's a heck of a ball player. He has some of the, the most impressive film I think in this 2017 class. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. he's another one that's underranked. I'm sorry. I think he's another one that's underranked. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I think Aaron is uh is uh, I think Aaron's a little underappreciated because people don't quite know where he's going to play yet. But I don't think it's going to matter to be honest with you. The kid plays like his hair's on fire every time he's out on the field. So, hmm. uh, got a call. Let's see if they have a question for you, Jake. Field three form radio. Who do we have? Uh, it's 34. I, I was just uh, just listening in. Just listening in. All right, man. Appreciate it. Um, how about moving on a little bit about on the 18 class offensive line again? I guess really <laughs> where they need to focus. You got Max Ray in line, and then is Jamaris all oh, you're still maybe going to look towards coming towards Georgia right now? Maybe following Andrew Thomas over from Pace. Yeah. Atlanta? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, uh, Sawyer's, uh, you know, not a lock, but he's the next best thing to it. Um, you know, he's he's a kid who I, I think uh, really loves George. He loves the idea of being close to home. Um, like you said, playing with Andrew, he's a kid that looks up to him a lot, uh, you know, even though they're only separated by a year. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, Jamari, they're in a really good spot with Jamari. The other kid that uh, I, I, they need to get on and stay on and just – ride the horse until it drops is uh Keontre Hill out of out of Houston County. That kid is uh that kid's ridiculously built. He looks like two different people put together because his legs <laughs> are so big. Um as compared to the top of his body. I mean he he's got tree trunks for legs, so uh and, and he's been great in all the settings I've seen him too. What's gonna be interesting I think is is what they end up doing at uh offensive tackle in 18 because you got Max, but Max has some growing to do. I mean, I've, I've met him in person. He's a, he's still a center kid. You know, he hasn't quite muscled up just yet. Um, and, uh, and there's, it's just not a huge year for it in state um, in terms of the, the tackles. Uh, it's a great year for guards. Um, there, there's tons of those lying around and, and some really, really quality ones, but they may have their work cut out for them when it comes to finding that second tackle uh, or even a third tackle for 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also, I, and thinking about 19, I don't know. I mean, I know you guys know about him, but Jayshon Sheffield. What What are your thoughts on him? And have you heard that anybody might be shying away because of you know playing in the GISA instead of GHSA? Uh, you know, I, I haven't heard that, and really, I just haven't heard much about uh, Deshaun uh, in, in a while. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of been a situation where, uh, you know, he was he was so high on the radar, and um, you know, kind of right off the gate, it seemed like Georgia was, you know, it's I thought he might commit to Georgia as soon as they offered uh, mm-hmm. when, when when Mark Rick uh, came in, but I just don't think the staff's given as much receipt. I really don't. I think that they've uh, been a little bit more standoffish. I, you know, it's that's a ways away though. So you know, these things. Oh yeah. 
things with things with him. I I, I can I tell people all the time, you know, uh, let's let's make it through 2017. We can talk about 18 and uh, and and 19. We'll, we'll get there one day. It'll it'll be soon. I promise. Well, I'm right here. You know, that's my only <laughs> I got I to wrap my Frederica boys over there. Yeah. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> Well, Jay, All right, man, the, the, big, the big, the big question: okay. Trevor Lawrence visiting Clemson or Georgia this week? Uh, the word is Clemson. Uh, that that seems to be the word, and uh, uh, that's what it's looking like. So uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know to read too much into anything he's going to do. I, I it won't surprise me to see that kid wait till the end of the season to do something at this point. I think that he's he's so focused on his team, and you know he he shies away from interviews as much as any kid I've ever covered. So. He, uh, he he's not into the media game too much, and uh, uh, I, I can't see a situation where he's going to interrupt. I, I just don't see a situation necessarily where he's going to interrupt his season, uh, take the shine off of his team, and, and put the spotlight on himself. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't from, think it's necessarily like whoever he visits this week, oh, that's who leads. Right. Exactly. I, mean, I might go to Clemson Louisville if I had a free ride to it. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, if you credentialed me for that game, you better believe I'd drive up there for that. Man. Um, and real quick, Fromm, has he been even better than, than originally projected? Yes, uh, there's no doubt about that in my mind. I I, I think Jake Fromm has uh, uh, done everything that you could ask out of a kid. I, I did a comparison on numbers the other day, his up against Jacob Eason's in their senior year. I mean, he, he's leading him by almost 1,000 yards at this point in the season. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's uh, it's video game stuff. He's, I did, the thing I love about Jake, uh, having seen him play now two or three times, uh, it, he's just he remind he he makes me think of Brett Favre. Uh, he, he's mm-hmm. he's got that gunslinger mentality. He he feels like he can make every throw, and, and most of the time he's right. Um, you know, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna toss a bad ball every now and again, but uh, he's got a real short memory when it comes to that, and and he comes out the next series firing away, and uh, he's a He's just something else, man. He he has been a true joy to watch in his senior year. I, I don't I don't know that I've seen a kid who has a better control of his own offense than Jake's got this year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think I think we're gonna send about a about a hundred people to start a uh, to start a new message on uh, on the rival forum about when does Jake Fromm get his fifth car. Yeah, we're oh god. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna put a post up top. I'm gonna pin a post. That, we don't update the rankings until after the season. So he's, uh, <laughs> Jake's doing. I'll tell you what, Jake's doing everything, uh, everything right though to, to trend in that direction. I mean, he's we've got him ranked as the third best quarterback in the nation right now. So I think he could uh, easily find his way up that list. Yeah. All right, Jake. Appreciate it, buddy. Where can everybody reach you at? Uh, you can catch me over at ugasports.com. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter. You can find me at Roos, R-E-U-S-E, Recruiting, and uh, follow along. We always got some cool stuff going on. Always great to talk with you guys, too. Yeah, buddy. Enjoy your evening. Have a good one, man. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Jake Roos from UGA Rivals, UGA Sports. Um, always good to have him on with us. Uh, so what, you, what, what jumped out? Anything jump out to you from – Anything he had said, or nah? I mean, nothing, nothing huge. Roos is a good dude, man. I like him a lot. Oh yeah, I was glad to hear Landers is obviously should be getting a little more attention as well. You know, man, Landers, Landers has been going off. Yeah, I mean, 
that we said as soon as he was, you know, as soon as he committed, I mean, it's just hard to find six foot five, you know, receivers that can run like he can. So I mean, I he's been one that I've kind of just kept a little bit of an eye on, you know, all ever since he committed, man, because I, I really think there, you know, could be a lot of a lot of value in that in that pickup. I really do. Um, I, I'm. I think that you know once once we get all this, you know, this coaching staff can recruit no matter what, and then they can coach their asses off too. But you know that's going to be the key is bringing in the talent to replace, you know, to get replenish the troops, man. I mean that's just pretty much all there is to it. There's just need an influx of talent and and a lot of it, and kids are going to have play and time opportunities. So you know the opportunity is there along with the you know the recruiters that can that know how to how to use those use those situations to their advantage. That's going to be a it could be a very special year, man. Oh, I, mean, I think we'll be we'll be fine, dude. I mean, we're freaking three and one. Yeah. Even if we lose to Tennessee, we're three and two, and we played the two best teams on the schedule. So I mean, yeah. Somebody on on the uh, Classic City chat today had a great point laying out the rest of the schedule as far as, you know, as far as explosive offenses, you know, I think this will be the last of the, the majorly explosive offenses. You know what I'm saying? Don't you think? I mean, as far as... Oh, yeah. And I don't think there's as near as explosive as old misses and probably pretty close on par with North Carolina's, to be honest. Right. You know, of yeah. course, in a different way. Yeah. Obviously, I don't. I don't think they'll abandon the run game like North Carolina did. But, um, but if you can jump out early on them, hopefully not let them back in like Florida did last week. Um, but you know, I mean, they've had they had a lot of similarities last week to what Georgia had, but they were able through, I guess, experience and and then, I guess, some talent in the right spots. They were able to overcome the. I mean, they were having as many drops in the in the first half as as Georgia was having in, in their game in in Oxford last week. So, but they got it going and you know turned it around. That was one of the most stark contrasts of games I've ever seen between halves. <laughs> um, how do you think Georgia approaches this game? I mean, what what's the main thing? Run the ball. I mean, just the same axiom for any game basically is run the ball and and try to stop the run for Tennessee. Yeah, man, we're we're. I mean, I don't see us. I don't see us ever turning just totally away from having to run the ball to set everything up. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever get away from that. And I mean, we probably right. shouldn't, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of people right now they're like, "I've read this crap load of stuff about why do we still run the same thing." Why are we trying to force these guys to run something in the offensive line? Can't really block one-on-one. Why are we trying to be like our Arkansas, old Alabama formation, you know, our run game and all that when the guys can't block it? You know, why don't we run outside, outside, outside? That's working. Or why don't we just – Jacob Easton's used to being in the shotgun. Why don't we just put him back in the shotgun and spread it out? And, I mean, number one – if Kirby Smart comes in and he says, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this is our identity, 
and this is where we're going to be, any respect that he's gained from the staff, the players, even the fans, although they won't play it right now, when he turns around and goes all the way against what he's already said he was going to do, that's the absolute worst thing he could do right now because mm-hmm. he loses any credibility at all with everybody if he turns from that just because it may seem better right now. And as far as running a guy outside every time, I mean, unless you're Oregon and you're spreading it out and you're doing what they do from a pot, from a from a from a pro style formation, you can't run it outside every play. Right. Because that'll be stopped quicker than anything, I guarantee you. I mean, this whole running up the gut. Why are we running up the gut? Why do we keep running up the gut? Why do we keep running up the gut? Well, it's to set up everything else. You can't just, hey, we're going to run the ball outside on everybody. Watch this. So yeah. that'll be stopped quicker than anything. You can't, you can't just run the ball outside. You can't. And then as far as spreading it out and getting Eason used to, you know, what he was always, I don't think Eason's been that much of a problem. Eason needs help from the guys blocking for him and the guys he's throwing the ball to. Right. I mean, get the freshman some doggone help. Why do we want to spread it out? Because Jacob Eason's just good at it. Right. The dudes ain't going to catch the ball anyway. Well, I'm not going to out to put out three more guys to drop the ball. I I would like to see him go, you know, power formations. Again, I know I think I probably sound like a broken record, but you know, use the two back two tight end and, and three tight end sets. I know we've had some drops with them too, but I think that's your most versatile versatile offense, you know, and, and, and gives you the most options of and it could help in the run game, you know, like you're talking about between the tackles too, bring a tight end in motion or you know, whatever you need to do. I don't know. Well, see, Uh-oh. and and to be honest, it's almost like the perfect storm because it's obvious by now, you know, there's there's a lot you can't judge in four games, but there's mm-hmm. a lot you can judge in four games. And one thing that you can judge and that everybody knows by now is Georgia's offensive line is having struggles, is having struggles blocking. Struggles what? Blocking. Oh, yeah. So it's the perfect storm. You have an offensive line that's having trouble blocking. You have wide receivers dropping the ball. You have a freshman quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, like, the main complaint I even have right now is we have a tight end room. It's probably the best room that we have. Why aren't we throwing to them more? Right. And so, I mean, you know, of course I was complaining last year, but, and, <laughs> I mean, there's really there's two things. One is, you have a freshman quarterback. Uh, Two is you have a freshman quarterback. Yeah. Three is you have a freshman quarterback. <laughs> he's going to go. He's going to go for the deep passes. Right. He's not every single time. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be Aaron Murray where every single time he goes through his progressions, you know, one, two, three, four, five, however many there is, mm-hmm. and and hit that third and fourth guy. I mean, pretty much the whole season, Eason's passes are going to be to his number one and number two guys, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. 
Because if you go, that's yeah. that's the risk you take putting a freshman quarterback in, and he's getting used to the speed of the game, and he's getting used to you know this and that. Because it's, I mean, it's going to be one and two. So unless we run all these plays where the tight end is the number one progression, maybe the number two, then. You know they're not going to get a, a ton of receptions, and so and also throwing to the tight end usually involves two things: you're going to throw it to them over the middle, which that's probably one of the last things you want your freshman quarterback doing is throwing the ball over the middle. Right. Look what happened to Ole Miss. Look what happened against Nichols. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be out in the flat. Right which involves going through your progressions and seeing the entire field. Because mm-hmm. if you go back and look, I mean, not that you'd want to, but if you go back and rewatch that game, early on he missed Chubb out of the backfield on the, I think it was on the interception. Probably would have picked up about 30, 40 yards. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see. You can go back and watch, and there's, I mean, there's just going to be multiple times a game to where his, you know, third, fourth, maybe even sometimes second progression is just wide open. Right. Out in the flats or, you know, wherever on the other side of the field or from, from where his first, you know, target is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, it's just that's the risk you take playing with a freshman quarterback. And yeah. it's not like he's doing bad. I mean, no. you know, five touchdowns, three interceptions, that's kind of about what you expect, to be honest. It's just part of the growing growing pains and experiences. He's got to he's got to there's only one way for him to learn that you know, learn that is to play. I mean and I'll, ten out of ten times I'll take what he's done so far over somebody that does know his progressions but just throws the ball in the dirt. Right. right. I mean I'm like, yeah, that's great. You can find that tight end in the flats, but when you hit them in the ankles, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, exactly. Do you, has there been any talk of any lineup changes as far as the offensive line goes? I mean, I'm just worried. I, mean, I really don't think so. And 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 that was one thing I was actually shocked by. I was pissed off at tight against Ole Miss. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking the whole time, and I mean, you know, it's not to trash a guy or anything, but I mean, you just—I mean, you can be honest about the strengths and weaknesses of your team without trashing the kids, mm-hmm. you know, without trashing the players and all. And I was ready to just—I was ready for Catalina to get burned the whole game. Yeah, like, man, this whole this defensive line is going to tear him up. But yeah, I mean, Ike's the one that really struggled against Old McCaffrey. I think Catalina looked a decent bit better. He looked better in this game than he did against Missouri, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, um, against Missouri, Nick or Nichols, really? Yeah. The thing with it, it seems well, like he, it seems like he doesn't quite. It's like he's not quite on at the snap of the ball. Like if if the if if the defensive end is has a quick first step and is able to get a read on the uh, on the snap. It's hard for Catalina to overcome that, but you know, it probably is for anybody. But you know, but if he can get his hands on guys, it seems like he he does a pretty good job. But if he's having to move quickly, he doesn't have quite the foot speed. It seems like to you know to to cut that guy off or or, or 
catch back up to where he needs to be, which, you know, granted, if he had that up, had that ability, he probably wouldn't have been at Rhode Island for four years. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's what, I'm, that's what I was about to say. I mean, you know, come on. It's going to take the same way it's going to take Eason time. To, I mean, Eason's going from playing against little middle school-looking kids <laughs> in Washington you know, you got to give him time to get used to the speed of the game and all that. I mean, and mm-hmm. it's really the same way with Catalina coming from Rhode Island. Right. I mean, I think they played with, what, Syracuse once? Right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same way there. You can tell he's kind of, from the looks of it to me, against Ole Miss, you can kind of tell he's coming into his own a little bit, to be honest. I think yeah. so, anyway. And I don't know if it was just play calling or, you know, something worked out just right, but it seemed like when – remember the play when Pike and uh, Wynn went out with injuries, and I don't mean it's because of them, but it seems like the next three or four plays, they were able to get a lot more push. I don't know I, I was know going why. to leave them in. That's what I was thinking. I really was. I mean, and there was nothing, you know, yeah, not to trash the guys or anything, but, I mean – what was it? Baker Baker was at left guard and Sims at right tackle and Yeah. They were going. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute, leave up in. Yeah. So it'll be that's why I was kinda that's why I was kinda wondering about about, you know, any sh- little bit of changes along the offensive line and you know, we were hearing Kenley was getting some reps and uh I guess Barnes was getting some second team reps too, wasn't he? From what I read today. Oh, the whole bar of South Georgia, baby. That's right. Get him I'll tell you Our offensive line is messing my workouts up. <laughs> oh, I Here know. I am trying to lose about 100 pounds. I'm trying to lose all this weight. All and right. then I go and we're watching the offensive line and they piss me off so bad I'm either slapping the wall or slapping the floor or something and have a sprained wrist, so it's screwed oh, the no. workout. So. <laughs> At least you that's, didn't how bad, that's how bad our offensive line has struggled. I sprained my wrist <laughs> during the game. At least you didn't slap the window. Like that God, my. I almost ran through the window a few times, <laughs> and I won because I was happy. <laughs> God. You know, I was I was with that guy up until he went through the friggin' window. I, I was like, I can really, I can, <laughs> I can uh, empathize with this guy. I know exactly what he's doing with the yelling and maybe throwing a couple things. I don't know if somebody will throw a cooler, but <laughs> I gotta be honest to you, dude. There's, I probably named five things off the top of my head that I've done dumber when I was young and drinking. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I have put a hole in the wall before after certain games, but <laughs> not intentionally. But and it was actually a slap too. That's that's a crazy thing. I was like, I didn't punch it. It just was. A, I just framed it with my hand, and it went through. And I was kind of like, oops. The wife wasn't very happy when when I did that either. <laughs> what 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 sucks is when you get pissed and you think you're hitting the cushion part of the couch. But you end up getting the wood part instead. Frame. That's, that's the worst. Oh god, you gotta you gotta pay attention, man. Man, that's the worst. Oh my god! Don't hit that bar in the sleeper sofa underneath the cushions. Yeah. Then you go from 
calling the players dumbasses to just MF on everybody. <laughs> oh, man. For the record, I don't really call the players dumbasses. It'll do it to you. No, I know you don't. Um, what do you... I don't know, man. I'm I'm a little... We were all, you know, a little... Concerned. I don't necessarily know anybody thought Georgia would... I think everybody thought Georgia could go in and win last week, but I didn't think necessarily think anybody thought we would. You know what I'm saying? It's a big difference between the two. Um... You know, well, I, mean, they, I, I think everybody thought they would have to play a very, very good game to come away with a win. Here's, you know, here's the way I try to look at them. Is if Ole Miss plays their best game and we play our best game, it's going to be hard for us to beat them. Right. Yeah, it'd have to be they played a bad game and we played our best game. Right. You know what I mean? And and this, here's another thing. Oh, my God, another thing. When they're all talking about on, and not just our board, different boards, they're all the boards. Right. Everybody's like, you know, Georgia's isn't that talented. And the comeback is always, oh, well, we've had better recruiting rankings than all this, and they just flipped our tails. It's because they're freaking recruiting rankings. There's absolutely nothing. You can base off of recruiting rankings besides how much fun you had following it as a fan. Because that's yeah. all it's for. And I don't I even know if promise you that Kirby Smart's not sitting there thinking, oh, i got to look for an offensive tackle. Let me go look at these rankings right, and and see what Juco's ranked the highest, and I'll go after him first. I mean, I you, that doesn't take anything... It doesn't take fit into consideration. It doesn't take this into consideration. It doesn't take relationships with the coaches into consideration or relationships with other players. I mean, there's so there's only so much recruiting rankings can cover. And, yes, it's fun to follow, and I, didn't, I enjoy following it, but you have to understand it for what it is. So the whole comeback of, oh, we've had higher ranked classes, you know, that's a bunch of BS. Yeah. Holes. I promise you nobody besides the fans and the players that want to be ranked higher pay attention to it. Right. I mean, like, Richard Town isn't going to walk on the campus. I think he's enrolling early. He's not going to walk on the campus in January, and they're going to say, okay, well, Dominic Sanders is only a three-star. Quincy Margaret was only a three-star. So, you know, Richard Town is the highest-ranked guy. So, you know, he's going to have the upper hand here. Has recruiting rankings has absolutely nothing to do with anything once those guys get on campus. Right, and uh, that that's Quincy Moget. Thank you very much. I am my bad. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but I don't even know how accurate that is that Georgia's recruited higher than them recently, within you know the last three or four years, which would. Would be this, you know, this recruiting class or, or psych these. Well, and, and I'm not even going out and saying we don't have a talented team. We have talented players, but mm-hmm. it is Kirby Smart's always calling out for leaders from within the team, right? And the problem that you come up with there is, I think instead of people saying we don't have a talented team, 
think it's more of all of our more talented guys are younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the the better talent is their freshman and sophomore. They just aren't. Everybody's done a write-up on the 2013 class. Everybody knows by now. Should mm-hmm. go down as the worst freaking class in Georgia history. So, yeah. Like, none of them panned out hardly. So, I mean, there's your leaders right there. So, what you come into is, okay, I'm calling out for team leaders. Well, if I'm a, let's see. Okay, even just look at the quarterback situation. If I'm Grayson Lambert and I'm the fifth-year guy, but I'm the backup quarterback to the true freshman, I mean, how much of a team leader do I really think I can be? Right. I mean, number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, me, myself, personally, I'm going to be sitting there thinking, well, I'm the number two guy, so they're not going to respect me as much. And, you know, I can't go out and tell Jacob Eastland what to do because, you know, he's a starter over me. So, I mean, and I think Grayson's done a great job with it. You see him on the sidelines. He's like the first one to congratulate Eason, pat him on the head when he's, you know, done something good. And, you know, it looks like he really tries to help him out. But as far as yeah. being a team leader, you know, your backup quarterback might be one of the last ones that's going to be one of the team leaders, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, was, then on the other side, you have the younger guys who are a lot of them are obviously more talented, but they're like, well, I'm the new guy. How can I tell this guy that's been there for four years, you know, what to do? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, you stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I was about to say, man, you know, we, we've given Grayson a lot of, not slack necessarily, but, you know, he, he's taken a lot of flack from a lot of people. And uh, he definitely has from us. <laughs> Maybe not and you he, in particular. Definitely me in particular. But but he has he has shown himself to be a, a damn good dog. I think after this year, the way he has handled himself and carried himself after hearing you know freshman coming in, taking his taking his job. Uh, the fans wanted Eason to get the job. The fans saw how he you know what happened last year. But that kid is out there, like you said, patting. Eason on the helmet coming off the field, first kid off the field to to welcome him to the sidelines to, you know, say good job for doing this. And he also looks like he's helping him out if something's going wrong or he'll talk to him and, you know, try to say watch for this and do that. And, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he is he is showing himself to be a, a great teammate. And uh, I think he deserves, certainly deserves props for that, no doubt about it. Um, let's see, you've got... My calling in. I think I know who this is. Field Street Form Radio. Who do we have? Hey. Blue. What's happening, man? What's going on, homie? And y'all, people, y'all still talking about whether we have talent or not? Man, trying to man, we talked about it for like three seconds, man. Three seconds. Dude, <laughs> let, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I've got a kid that's a sophomore in college. And I always wanted my kid to be able to dunk a basketball. Unfortunately, I gave her lessons, coaching. She had access to weight rooms. She had a great diet. Um, unfortunately, she's five foot six and has no springs. And instead of sitting there and screaming at my kid or blaming my wife and slapping her around because my little girl can't dunk, 
I can either get over it or I can leave the house, go find a 6'3 woman with a dad that can jump, ask her to let me impregnate her, have a baby, <laughs> pray it's a boy, give it 16 years of the same stuff I gave my daughter, and then maybe my kid can dunk. I mean, we but have go, to. Go back, go back to this last part. Can, can we actually do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you get permission, I mean, if you got a goal, man, if it's all about championships or accomplishing whatever you want for the people that you watch, I mean, you just, it's got to happen, and it's got to happen through talent. And I don't care what you said, what the recruiting classes and all of that. I mean, yeah, we're the fourth best SE team. We're the fifth best SE team in the recruiting rankings. Those are all probably pretty accurate. And every time for the last five years, when we lined up against a tough, smash-mouth SEC team, we would lose, and the fan base would go crazy. I don't know why anybody – and this was getting worse and worse as the years went by. I don't blame Rick. Rick is one human being, but he had to take the responsibility. He's the guy who got axed. Now, they let this beloved coach go so we can go improve our stuff. But when Kirby walked in the door, he didn't bring 85-man roster from Alabama with him. Right. I mean, he didn't have any – I just don't get – it's like people all of a sudden woke up and go, oh, my God, we're just not very good. This is terrible, and it's Kirby's fault. He didn't make this talent play worse. They're great kids. We just don't have enough of them. This, uh, half, this our, year's half, been our, in the... half our roster, half our team on the field is sophomore or younger playing with a new staff and the rest of the guys are just trying to be good dogs and go out and get their nose bloody every day and if you can't support that and like that then you've got issues yeah, I mean I'll tell you this, this this game against Ole Miss has been in the making for four years no matter who the I, coach I said, is yeah I said that two weeks ago on the blog I said I think we're going to lose we're going to lose big oh you're a nega dog I said look I've been waiting for this ass whooping it's been coming down the tracks. Anybody who's paid any attention, you don't even need to be some kind of NFL scout. You just have to watch the games and year after year. I just think some people watch the red helmets with the pretty G run out in between the hedges and the band plays the same music. They play Munson's video on the scoreboard, and they go, here we are, we are Georgia. That's what the fans think. But when you strip all that stuff off and you line up 85 guys in their jocks, you do not have the standard SEC we've only won one hard game that I can recall. There may be others, and we've given it some good college tries, but outside of the LSU home game we had just a few years ago, we have never in the last half decade overperformed from a physical standpoint, dominated anybody, never have. We've had mm-hmm. Murray, we've had uh, Gurley, and we've had some stuff. We've had some receivers that have stepped up that have hidden some of that. But for years, we've not had the beef to just physically go out and manhandle people like folks want to remember or folks want to imagine. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. And, you know, we saw it with Southern. We saw it, you know, we watched Florida a couple of years ago. We went down to the swamp and then whatever that kid's name was, he didn't know how to throw that basically was a tailback. And they just ran all over us, and everybody was upset. Or when we had the big game in Columbia, and everybody said we quit. We just got punched in the mouth and weren't big enough to respond. I, that's not a negative comment. That's just a reflection of institutional.
institutional decline in our ability to recruit guys. It's not an X and O program. Mark Rick can coach X's and O's. I mean, he's throwing up 60, 70 points against lesser teams in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he may do well, but he's got more talent against the competition he's playing, and we have just grossly overestimated what we well, have. I mean, you can, in, in a lot of games, I, I'd even say the Ole Miss game this year, by God, just open your eyes and look at the size of the players, and you know we're about to get our ass kicked. You can tell in warm-ups. Now, I'm not saying these guys don't have – and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, we're Wofford. But earlier, you know, when we were, like, got to number 11 or we were 12 or something, I think I said, no, I think we're, like, 24, 25 if we're lucky, and maybe we can get better if the young ones grow up. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? We're freaking Georgia. We're 3-0. and We pulled out games. We wouldn't have won with Rick. I said, I agree with that. We probably did. But I watched Nickel State. I watched Georgia Southern last year. I've watched this against the Kentuckys, the Missouris, the Vanderbilts, and there's nobody getting hit in the mouth because there's not the mass, there's not the size, there's not the depth. Well, I mean, I, I mean, and you could even look like the old Miss game. I mean, you look at Evan Ingram, 6'5", 235, their other receiver, 6'5", 215, their other one, 6'4", 210, and their other one, 6'4", what is, you know, 6'3", whatever. And you got all these guys walking up and, they're walking up to our little DV, you know, 5'9", 180, 5'10", 185, you know, whatever. I mean, all you got in a, in a fifth-year whatever senior quarterback that's probably the best quarterback in the SEC and has been slinging the ball up and down the field on everybody, including Alabama and Florida State, I mean, it's like you said, open your eyes and look at the warm-ups and you can tell we're about to get our asses handed to us. Well, and I don't stop saying we're going to get our butts handed to us against anybody. I mean, we beat, we legitimately beat UNC, a quality ACC team. Where we run into problems, historically, people want us to win the East or want us to win the SEC. There's three or four teams in there that are bigger, stronger, faster than we are. Now, that's not saying we can't go out and hang with Nebraska or Penn State like we did last year. We can play college football at a decent level, but this whole Mark Rick can't win the big one. Mark Rick's chip. Martin, the last five years, did not have – and you can – now, you can debate whose fault it is all you want. I don't care about that. But when you line up your 85-man roster and you put them on the plane or the bus and you go to play somebody, our guys are not a top-five team in the SEC and we can't get out of the SEC. It's like politics. We can't win our base to get out. If we'd have beat Alabama in the game that we were missed by one play or all that we always go back to, yeah, we'd have beat, we'd have beat Notre Dame. But we can't get out of our own damn conference. And that's where Kirby, I think, is going to play a role. The guy's going to come in. He's going to recruit. All these guys can coach X's and O's roughly. I mean, they're all SEC coaches. They all know their football. We can make fun of them all we want, even Malzahn. The guy's making millions of dollars coaching in the SEC. Right. Rick lies, and can you – I mean, you have to be able to coach, and you have to be able to grow your talent you get, but you got to bring it in the front door first. And, you know, people say we're losing people out of town, Ole Miss this, Ole Miss that. But when I watch those six, five receivers, you know, that our guys are trying to, to 
cover, it's just tough. And when I see that our best receiver on our team would not be the largest height wide receiver on our local high school team, <clears throat> it's just tough. <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do other than just go, you know what, my kid can't dunk a basketball. I love my kid, and I'm not going to go out and do something. There's some other people that will come in the tracks, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch my kid play, win, lose, or draw every game, and I'm going to love him, and I'm going to enjoy it for what it is. And if you can't do that, then you may have to sit back and adjust your priorities on whatever the hell grinds your gears because a bunch of 17, 18, 19-year-old kids beating their brains out trying to win a game screws you up for three weeks that you can't be decent to another poster is just freaking sad and some kind of mental disturbance. Yeah. <laughs> I get the passion, but my God, what about some perspective? I think, too, another thing that makes it even more frustrating is seeing Van Jefferson kill us out there Saturday, seeing Josh Malone out there making plays for Tennessee all over the field, you know, Darius Slayton over at Auburn doing things. Those are all, you know, all three of those, I think Georgia was, what, second for all those guys. You know or what? Led, or, or, or that, that, doesn't or me. that doesn't bother me as much as it does other people. Because once they do that, I'm like, screw you. Yeah. You're not a dog. You're the enemy now. Screw you. But it's kind of like, when, when are they going to – when do we start finishing with those kind of guys? You know, I think that's what everybody's kind of looking to, like, well, you know, you know, we've had this discussion over the years as this has been coming. And there's been different takes. It's been rehashed multiple times. There's been argument whether the – you know, there's been discussion whether the argument is valid. But if you go back and you look at the recruiting budget, you know, on about when we started to decline, we were on par with everybody else. The first thing we noticed is our linemen went. Now, I'm no college coach. I'm no college athletic director administrator, but I would assume – and it's always been my opinion that linemen are the hardest to find. They require the most research. They require the most film. You're projecting a guy's growth. You're looking at their family. What kind of work ethic do they do? Will they lift the weights? Will they get fat? Will they do whatever? And that's hard to do with a 16-year-old teenager when you got to start the relationship. But if a kid's 16 years old and runs a 4-3-40 and, and looks like a video game, you know he's good. Mm-hmm. So as our recruiting budgets stayed flat and the other – the damn arms race took off. If you look, Tennessee, Auburn's the one that ought to be ashamed, but they kicked flipping coaches. Um, Auburn, Bama, A&M, all those teams with these big, heavy, smash-mouth teams have out, outspent us, where we remained with the Vanderbilts, the Kentuckys, and USC spending followed us. And look what happened. Spurrier's guys got close, and then they dropped off. Just the research the film study to get it to the staff to make their decisions, I don't know there. Now, you can blame Rick for that. You can blame the administration for that. You can blame whatever. But institutionally, that program quit investing money at the rate the other programs were. And now we've woken up five years later, and we're spending money this year. Right. But you don't buy all those. You don't get 85 seniors walk in the door. Right. Day one, you've got to grow them, and you're going to make some mistakes on that. So I think right. two years, 50 guys are going to come into this program. Hopefully, many of those will be contributors, but they'll still be young and have to be raised up. Oh, yeah. We've got the best offensive right. line coach in the country, and we've got people on that maybe 
are big fans. Maybe never even played offensive line in Pee Wee League. They want you to move this guy here and this guy there, you idiot. I'm like, this right. is like the greatest offensive line coach or one of them in America. I think he's tried all the combinations. I think it was uh, I think it was Jake Rowe that Kirby got pissed at one time when they were uh, talking to him. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was Rowe. Rowe asked him about, you know, have they thought about switching around, you know, so and so or whatever. Well, I mean, on the on the offensive line, and Kirby looked at him and was like, "What do you mean? Have we tried that? We tried every combination imaginable, and we put the best five out there. Of course, we yeah, tried that." And Jason, we all do. We have all done that as fans. I'll do it tomorrow, I'm sure. But I didn't know it was Jake. He said that too. But when he said it, it was kind of like you know when something's just blatantly obvious all of a sudden resonates with you and go, God, I'm a moron. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I had one of those moments. I was, listening, I was like, really, that is kind of ridiculous that we're sitting over here typing from our desk or our couch or wherever we are talking about it. I mean, the questions are fine. Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Everybody wants to learn. But just the venom and the criticism that you see out there with the old interweb people, I don't get. I just don't get it. And and to me, the saddest thing is, is everybody that's so damn upset that this is going on like it's new. We've just there's a reason Mark Rick is in Miami, and that's because nobody was going to spend the money. We got a guy, Kirby Smart may not be the coach Mark Rick is. I don't know, but I'll tell you what he did do is when they hired him. And you guys know how much I defended Mark Rick, and I still would. I don't mm-hmm. think he's treated fairly. But one thing Kirby Smart did do is he got whoever has money or whoever's pulling the strings to get money moving again, and that's ultimately what will save this program. It's mm-hmm. nothing like the rest here's, of the guys. Here's one thing I would almost be willing to guarantee you, and I don't know when it'll happen. I don't know if it'll be just all of a sudden it'll snap and happen. I don't know if it'll be we got to get some of these players out of here that are used to old ways, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can, I would almost be willing to guarantee you that a Kirby Smart-led team, when he's established, you know, what he wants, who he is, who we are, what he wants, all that good stuff, a Kirby Smart-led team, when they get punched in the mouth, I will almost guarantee you they'll punch back. Oh, I'm sure they will. The question <clears> is, is can this organization and the timing and then and, and the cycle of all these other teams that go up and down, can this team get on a, get, you know, a favorable schedule with the right personnel at the right time and get the right breaks and win a national championship and develop some of the mystique? And, you know, we'll, Saban won won't be there forever. Someone's mm-hmm. got to take the mantle. It could be us. We're poised to do it. The only thing, the only thing I think that could derail Kirby Smart, honestly, and there's nothing anybody can do about it, is our fan base. I think our fan base will go nuts. I think they'll fill up the internet with a bunch of negative hoo-ha. You know, if we're not 12-0 and 0 next year, or whatever the heck the record would be, and it's a failure, and hot seat talk, and all that, and then kids go, you know what, because I watched that happen to Rick twice. He had some guys that were on the fence, the hot seat talk, and 
Kirby played it like a master on his side at Bama, and so did the others. You know, hey, he may not be there, da-da-da, come here, you'll be whatever. But these Georgia kids know something's going on over here. You can hear them. I mean, just I'm, I don't have a Twitter account, but I read the tweets on the side of the bar. Those kids are fired up, and they'll come. It's just can our fan base wait 24 months? Well, I guarantee you we're competitive. I mean, they've got no choice. We may be a lot better next year. We still may be only a three-loss team this year, two-loss team this year. Well, but we might be a lot better this year. I mean, one yeah. game is one game. Yeah, but until you get it, I mean, you know, what I really don't want to see for selfish reasons, and it's kind of a coward's way out, but, you know, I'm not playing or coaching. So, I mean, I can say this. You know, if we go and we went, let's say we went out, but we play in the SEC championship, and then we play Bama, and Bama beats us by 50 points, then the melt is immense. You're almost better just, you know, almost getting there, not quite, and then the next year you go and you're better, you're stronger, faster. But I don't see an offensive line it could be the best one in America. I have no idea. I'm not saying it can't be. But there's nothing that leads me to believe that next year we're going to have a big old beastly line. Now, a couple of years from now, yeah, I can see that. But if you go look at what's on the shelf, if it's not good enough to beat out what's playing now, primarily a tackle. If you took our two tackles and you moved them back inside where they're supposed to be and we had two serviceable tackles, we'd be doing better because I do think Eason can open up the passing game. They at least have to get out of the box. They at least think he can throw well enough. They'll do that eventually, you know, this mm-hmm. season probably. But Yeah, I, uh, a couple of things. I know there's already some, some lunatic fringe Georgia fans on Facebook and Facebook groups that I've seen already, already complaining, is this, did we make the right hire? Is this? Was this, you know, we're paying him all this money to come here for this. We got rid of Rick for this, blah, blah, blah. I've never seen Georgia play like this. I'm like, dude, come on, seriously. You know, anyway, but, yeah, so you're right in that aspect. Certainly, Blue, that there's going to be some that no matter what happens, you know, they're just going to be dumbasses about it, basically. Um, But don't you guys think there's got to be kind of like Rick's, you know, the hobnail boot game, isn't there usually a game where it kind of like something kind of ignites the fire for or, or ignites the ignition for uh, the program to kind of take off again? You know what I'm saying? I mean, kind of gets everybody used like this is the game that kind of turned things around. Is that Do you guys see that this year possibly, or do you think it's going to be more next year? My only honest answer is I have no idea. The difference yeah. between that happening this year and the game you're referring to with Rick is the Georgia program had been down for a long time. You know, there weren't any expectations. or weren't you're inheriting, a, you know, a team that's one player away or some good coaching away from winning the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, he beat them, and everybody was behind him. Everybody was pleased with the progress to some extent. You know, he went out, had that game, and we took off and – Munson made it great and all of that. You know, now we're like, why are you not Alabama? You are not Alabama in four games, and I'm so disappointed. I was lied to. We shouldn't have got rid of Rick. 
Kirby Smart's going to come and urinate all over the office, and all of a sudden, grass is going to grow. I, I, I just don't know what people want. It. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they were being realistic, because it all goes back to the same, the same team that got off the bus against Ole Miss is going to get off the bus next week. Now, can we get some breaks? Can we get some momentum? Can the other team be flat? Can we play out of our minds? Can we not have drop balls, pick sixes? get some breaks, yeah, they can pull it off. They can win it and be fantastic. But that would be a gut win where guys played over their heads. Mm-hmm. In many ways, to me, that's more admirable than anything and says a lot about the kids and a lot about the staff. You know, a, a true coaching test is when you don't have talent. I don't know how many guys could walk into Alabama and in four games, you know, most of them likely would be 4-0. and But I don't know too many people that could walk in with our team and have beaten Ole Miss last week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're if you're fair about all this, I mean, God knows I love Mark Rick. I think Mark Rick, if he's still coaching, more than likely we're still three and one. But instead of half the fan base protecting the coach and the other half calling for the coach's head, you know, ninety percent are calling for him to be fired. It's a different I've, narrative, and we're not talking about you know really trying to evaluate where we are because we got a new we got a fresh look at everything that's happening. I just right. You guys, you guys, you guys. We've talked on this show and 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 posted together for for several years since this thing started to decline, and we've all seen it coming. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I think people were looking to that. 10 win season last year and thinking, oh man, they're, you know, Kirby's walking into a gold mine here, but I don't think people realized how much work needed to be done to, to reestablish the program. Yeah. Especially, especially along the line of scrimmage. I, I, you know, I don't know about the receivers. I don't know what's going on with the receivers, but the line of scrimmage is what's just been neglected or, or lacking in the last, you know, obviously two or three years. Dre, I agree, and I, but I, I don't think the offensive line is just bogusly horrible. I don't. I think they're serviceable um, if the passing game is clicking, if the kicking game is clicking, if the score is close, if you don't get guys able to cheat, if your tailback's not gimpy, if, uh, you know, they have the option – You've got an experienced quarterback that can read the defense and change the play and know where to go and know where all his receivers are and can utilize all of them. If you had Aaron Murray, who's not, who nobody said was going to go to the NFL and be a first-round draft pick, but he was a hell of a college quarterback that could run that offense and knew where to go with the ball his last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an excellent college quarterback. Um, and I think he did it without a tremendous amount of, of, of superstars. I think that takes a lot of the pressure off the line, but if you take those guys who are not road graders, and you sh- and I'm no offensive line coach and I'm no strategist, but just as a layman watching the game, when they pack all of those guys in there and you've got two, three hundred pounders in the middle and you're asking them to move them and those guys are eating space and they're sending people and guys are coming around the edge and you don't have a true tackle and Chubb is hurt and you got a 19-year-old kid with a ball and you've got small receivers and you get what you get and then you get behind the sticks on penalties and everything else and it it just looks terrible (laughs) the offensive line isn't the whole problem if 
you had a passing game, it would take some pressure off if they were threat. Last they said, well, last year, well, last year we had two tackles. One of them in the NFL, and one was decent. And you had Malcolm Mitchell on the outside, and you had guys that were still frightened of Chubb at the first half of the season. But at the back half of the year, you saw the same thing. They were standing these boys up and pushing them backwards. We couldn't get them out of the box, and then we got mad at Lambert. And I think he's better than people say, but I, he, I don't. He's certainly not Jacob Eason talent. Right. That stuff all just builds on itself. It's kind of like when you lose a tooth. You know, the rest of the jaw is not as strong. Got right. Everything, and you got to have balance, and we're out of balance. <laughs> It'll get better. The beauty of it is, like Jason said, we got a lot of talent, but it's all young. And the and the wonderful thing about that is that it's all young. It's coming back, <clears throat> and we get to add to it. So. Yeah, I mean, I think what lost. eight eighteen freshmen have been playing so far this year. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of sophomores too. I mean, are in and out of there. Right. A couple juniors. I mean, there's what? Two legitimate starter, you know, every down starters, one on offense and one on defense. And, you know, our offensive starters, poor Cubby, who who's really a guard. I mean, he's not he's not the biggest boy. I don't care what the program says. Right. He might, He's six feet, maybe. I mean, six six foot, half inch, something like that. He, he's mm-hmm. six four. Yeah, half inch is important. He's a tough, <laughs> tough kid. Yep. But you know, if we end up ten and two, guys, nine and three, that's pretty damn good. But we still—that doesn't mean we can go out next year and that we're going to be able to butt heads with LSU or Ohio State or Alabama or somebody like that. They're still just too big, too strong, and too fast. But we'll get there. Right. But we'll be able to beat UNC and Penn State and Nebraska and Maryland. and Hopefully Notre Dame. Hopefully Notre Dame, you know. (laughs) They're not looking all that great. No, one and three just fired Van Gorder, man. We can still play. We're just not a top top five team in the country. No. No. And I don't know uh, anybody that's been a top five team in the United States with 15 to 18 starting freshmen. No. Um, Jay, you know, you mentioned LSU there, Blue. Jason, what do you think? What do you guys – what are your What are your thoughts on the Les Miles move? Is it just kind of – I mean, I know we kind of – you know, it had to be a, a expected. I don't necessarily know if it was expected after four games, and I don't know if it was. You know, they shouldn't have done. It. Maybe you shouldn't have done it last year. You know, at the end of the year, like they they had all intentions of doing from what it seemed like, because I think they had Jimbo worked out, and then things got word got out, and I think it kind of snowballed on them from there and kind of backfired on them. Now I don't know where they go. I don't think I don't think Jimbo leaves now. Coach, oh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I like go Joe. Go Joe, we're gonna run we're gonna play L S U football. <laughs> my boy coach. Oh <laughs> nah, man. man, it was it was time in November for less. It really was. Same I mean they they were kinda in the same situation as us, you know. I mean Yeah, but now I think they lost their chance exactly. their top their top target would be Jimbo, I would imagine, so I think they've lost out on him. They're saying him and uh, Herman, so yeah, they've been hurt. Houston doesn't get to the Big Twelve. 
Yeah. I was, I was talking to a guy that's a pretty, I won't say his name, but pretty big booster, powerful guy from Georgia. And I said, why do you think the guy read a less mile? He said, enough people with Buddy picked up the phone and called, so we're not giving you another dime until you do something. Yeah. You know, and, and they went, okay. I mean, I mean whoever they get, it's whoever they get. I think they just. No, it doesn't take but a couple of phone calls and stuff happens apparently. Yeah. Happened with us. Especially whenever you see, I think their offense was even more frustrating than ours. I mean, because nothing changed this from last year to this year, and maybe even from the year before or year before to this year. Yeah, I don't where, understand why they can't get a quarterback. It's crazy. I mean, it's LSU. I mean, Death Valley. You're in Louisiana, down in the Gulf. I mean, it's not like you're going to Topeka, Kansas. It's a pretty cool yeah. place. It's SEC. They had a uh, a really kind of cool coach. You know, the kids like him. They just couldn't get a quarterback. But I they think have to. LSU has is got a lot more beef than we've got. Yeah. Um. They just need somebody that can throw. I mean, if they go get, you know, who's Who's the kid after prom? I, can't, I cannot remember his name with the long hair that everybody likes. No, Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, that if somebody asked me to put money in Vegas where that kid would go, I have no idea where he'd go. But if I was his dad, I'd send him to LSU. Yeah. Well, those, I mean, they got some, I mean, they have NFL receivers pretty much every year. So. Well, we've seen them. They've made catches from guys who couldn't throw. I mean. Yeah. I mean, Mettenberger had success with very limited time there. Right. And he yeah. was, you know, I mean, they could they could be something. No, no doubt. Um, I don't know. How, how about this, Jay? Does it uh, – I know there was – I guess there was an article on Jacoby Stevens. You know, everybody thought once Miles was gone, maybe that would change his mind, but apparently not, huh? Yeah, you still got to watch that Austin Thomas guy who's the, I guess they're calling him the GM now or whatever. <laughs> That's the guy you got to watch. Is he the, like a receiver's coach or something? Or No, no, he's a staffer. He isn't even in the, like, on the no. field coaches. He's like player personnel and, like, recruiting stuff. Oh, okay. That's, that's the dude Jacoby's so close to. Okay. Well, and he's a Louisiana kid. I mean, basically. right? But yeah, that because that they let that guy go, and he kind of pretty much turned away from LSU, and then they brought him. Then they bring him back. I'm assuming, or he they did you let know, him go. Jacoby right? decommitted before that guy left for USC. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, and then they brought him back after that. Yeah, then they brought him back, and oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. I doubt you can worry too much about seeing Jacoby in this class. All right. Unless they bring in a recruiting staffer from former LSU staff. Yeah, I mean, try to hire Austin Thomas away. That's all I can think of. <laughs> um, you know, another kid that I thought Georgia might try to get in on is the uh, the kid, the other kid from Lee County. Uh, He's a line. I think he's playing defensive end, but he's going to be a fullback at LSU. But I thought, as much as Georgia, you know, likes to use the fullback, if he can, if he was, projects to be a a big time fullback, I think 
you think Georgia might go and try to get in on him? He's committed to LSU right now. Man, when's, when's the last time we used a scholarship on a fullback? Yeah, well, that's true. Unless, you know, unless his defensive end days, you know, maybe pull another David Pollock. Yeah, I Yeah, I mean. He's a massive kid, if I remember, if if I remember seeing him right. But I don't know. I, 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 think, I think I'd rather take a chance on a kicker getting a scholarship, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, honestly, there was nobody else when I was kind of going through their commit list. I don't. I didn't really see anybody that Georgia and LSU were really battling over, to be honest. Unless there was somebody I was missing. You know? No, I really can't think of any, to be honest. What about target-wise? Is there Was there anybody that, that could change for LSU? Um... Anybody comes to mind? No, not off the top of my head. They have a lot of Louisiana guys committed, so you know how that goes yeah. with them. Well, that was one thing I was going to say. You know, the, that's one huge thing that, that LSU has. They don't have any in-state competition as far as Power 5 conferences go. You know, it's recruiting-wise, in, in-state, I should say. Um, whereas every other school around them Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. I mean, all those schools all have to battle in-state kids, uh, in the in-state schools for in-state kids. So LSU has a huge advantage there that they're the only the only Power 5 school in that talent-rich state, you know. It, it's it's a spot that somebody's going to go to. I just don't know. I can't, you know, here's, and here's somebody I thought of, and I know he's in the NFL right now, but I think Chip Kelly might get a run down there if if he if he wants it. What do y'all think? Honestly, I still think it might be Jimbo. Really? Oh yeah. After this, you know, after the season, I guess. But yeah. It would just be. Well, I, I don't think, think it might be. Hmm. That'd, that'd be something. I don't know. I, I don't know if he. I don't know what he can. What advantage would he have at LSU other than just, I guess, being home? You know, or then he from LA, uh, from Louisiana? Probably more money. One of the reasons Pruitt left. Well, that's true. And I wonder how much you know the divorce and everything. If he wants to start over with his kids, though, is the only thing. I don't know if he. I don't know if he has custody of the kids or. You can fly your kids. In. Oh, I know. I know. It's just, I'm just trying to figure out. I guess he would get more money. Well, unless... get a little bit of time. And if if his team is going down, you know, his recruiting hasn't been what it was when Pruitt was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to get to a place that now he's got Rick down there. I don't care who you are. Rick's got to make him nervous in some ways from a recruiting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Miami with a popular coach and a few wins, you know, they're going to get some folks. Yeah, they're in a freaking LSU. hotbed down there, man. LSU, right. LSU is, is really, I would think, I'm biased because I like that culture down there. I mm-hmm. love the Gulf. I love all that provides the Cajuns, the food. You know, New Orleans, Death Valley. I mean, if you're a football fan, you've got to see the attraction.
Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State, you know, okay, yeah, they're you're in the Panhandle, but you're in Florida, and you're fighting two other state teams, and you've won your national championship. Your team looks like it's slightly declining. It may be time to get out. Go play with the big boys. You've got an excuse to get spanked by Saban for a year or two. They'll give you a grace period, get you a big contract. I mean, how old is he? Uh, I think he's in his early 50s, probably, late no, 40s. Maybe. He's got to be older. He's got to be. Well, I don't know. Jimbo? Yeah, because I rode hard and put up wet, and I'm 50, and he looks older than me. <laughs> yeah, so he still has that uh, young kid. Well, I mean, I got I mean, he's not like a toddler or anything, but. Hey, life of a coach is rough, man. Yeah, true. <laughs> you got to live in my house. The only thing that hides the wrinkles is the fat. Um, Jimbo is 50 years old. Really? On the news, yep. Well, he's he's got, you know, more years to work. Yeah. Yeah, Saban's 64. Les Miles is 62. I didn't realize that. Well, I mean, you got to think, too. I wonder where Miles went. Some of these coaches that like to be challenged, you know, What's well, been the premier conference for a while? I don't think you're talking about Jimbo going from the ACC to a team that's uh, partly financed with the SEC network. Why they get twenty million a year each or something? Yeah. You know, I mean, he's got to be thinking, man, if I can do this here, Florida yeah. State in this hotbed, why can not I do it at Louisiana when I hardly have to fight anybody for in-state talent and I get that much more money? Well, but he's also got to get to the title through the SEC. Got to get to the playoffs. I wonder, what if they just made a made a clean swap? Jimbo goes to LSU and Les Miles goes to Florida State. He doesn't really. I think Les Miles will go somewhere. I don't think he's done. Nah. If, yeah, if I'm know, USC, I, I'm going after him right now. Yeah, I didn't realize he was 62. That that surprised me. He had his chance to go to Michigan, which was to right. go home, which leads me to believe he was super happy. I think Herb, Les Miles, Herb Street I screwed that up. Les Miles ends up on TV. I really do. I think Les Miles will end up on television. A lot of people want to see that happen. He's an entertaining dude. He'll make some money. He's 62. He doesn't have the grind of it anymore. He can still get paid. You know, why not? Well, and he, didn't he just sign a extension – after the whole blow-up last year, he, didn't he? He did, but I think something – correct. y'all would know this better than me, but I swear I remember reading something about yeah, he got an extension, but his buyout changed. It's not as drastic. Yeah, the buyout went down a little bit. But I don't know how that affects him getting canned. Here's, here's the main thing. Les Miles has a decent-sized buyout, but I know Cam Cameron's one of them. I think more than – Cam Cameron, they call it the Les Miles Clause in their buyouts to where if Les Miles gets fired, they only have to pay Cam Cameron for six months <laughs> worth of his salary. Well, and y'all saw uh, LSU so that's why, fire, that's why they fired Les Miles first and then let Ed Orgeron go in there and fire Cam Cameron. Right. So now all they have to do is pay him six months of uh, a salary, and they're done with them. Not like a Schottenheimer where we had to pay, what, two years? Right. Let's see. Let's smile, look. He needs to go on television. 
not because he can't coach, but just because I think everybody likes him and he's enjoyable. And I, was, I don't remember what site it was, but I think it was ours. Somebody was talking about it. I said, look, I'd love to see Ed Orger on coach just because football needs more guys like him. But if you could put him on television like game day, <laughs> put Ed on there, and just listen to him, throw him in there with all the rest of them, I mean, that's pure entertainment. I'm telling y'all right now, Coach O, I know he cheats. I know he's ball players. I don't care. He's one of my favorite non-UGA coaches ever. (laughs) Yeah. If there was an opening, I'd bring him in. Oh, man. Man, that's it. I think Dre and – left and we could get Ed. Yeah. I, I think Dre and Tiki, I can't remember who it was. I got so pissed off not too long ago. I sent him a message. I was like, screw it. I'm going to hire a coach. Oh, I'm bringing Tosh in. <laughs> Everybody I know that freaking has a reputation for just paying every player they freaking bring in. I'm like, bring all the suckers in. I'm done. <laughs> you know, uh, part of me just wants to get all, like, uh, you know, longest yard and go get every damn, you know, just cheat like hell for a few years and just pull a USC slash Old Miss, all of it all rolled up into one. Just go get everybody we can. Who cares if they graduate and see what we can do. Yeah, that's basically, I mean, that's basically what I texted them. Yeah. And then denied, denied, denied. I texted them. I was like, I'm just done with it. Hire all of them. Buy whoever you got to buy. Let's just go out and freaking do it. I'm done. Um, Miles' contract says confirms the cost of buying out Miles' con- three-year contract alone will be $12.9 million minus $3 million that Miles has already been paid this year. So somewhere north of $9 million will be paid out over six years, which is double the length of the contract. So, oh, that ain't bad. They can handle that. I think I'd, that, that's pretty sweet for Miles, I guess. It sucks getting fired, but he could get that plus do a little TV TV deal on the side, get a little bit of that taken off, and he'll be sitting pretty good. He made a comment, something about he doesn't like golfing and he doesn't like TV. All he knows how to do is coach or something. That's why I think he stays and goes yeah. somewhere and coaches. Yeah, I, just, I don't know if he'll go big time. I mean, I know it'll be a power. I think it'll be a power five school, but, like, you know, you saw, like, Purdue fan base was trying to, you know, blow up social media to try to get his attention, you know. To I'm, to, I'm, I'm telling you, man, that old the old athletic director that just left USC that gave Clay Hilton the, uh, you know, gave, gave him the promotion and all that, that's, he screwed that up bad. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, we say – don't judge Kirby in the first four games. You know, I guess you can't do play the same way, but, man, if they're all pissed off as much as they are and they're already talking this wasn't the right thing to do, then that might be a situation where they'd be smart to go out and grab Miles real quick. After yeah. Give him, give him five years, six years. He's got, he's got that. I think he'll be fine for five to ten years and, 
try to get the program Man. back up. Yeah, y'all think y'all think our fans make some bad reads. Some of that Southern Cal stuff. Oh my God, <laughs> they're ready. Oh my God, they're ready to just kill that dude. Yeah, they want to gut the whole coaching staff, don't they? Oh yeah, everybody. Which they have more. Well, they got they got every everybody's gonna everybody with a new coach when some players are pissed and all that are gonna talk about he's lost the team, but. It really looks like this guy has. Like, they're talking all like he was in the locker room and just cussing them, and whoever wants to F and leave now, I'll sign your paper, just leave and get the F out. (laughs) That's what led to EJ Price transferring and, uh, you know, the rumors about Chuma Doga transferring and about five or six more. So, So I think he's really, really going through it there. Those couple yeah. of rumors popped up about Kirby and some of the guys not, you know, whatever. That's that's actually seems looks like it's really going on at LSU or at USC and not just rumors. Right. I mean, you may, we may have a guy or two, but I think Sock's right. We would definitely know with all the freaking message board vomit that we look we're wading through this week. I mean, that's where that stuff's coming from. Well, I mean, you're always always going to have that when a new coach comes in. I don't care if it's going from Mark Rick to Kirby Smart or from Kirby Smart to Mark Rick or, you know, from Al Golden to Mark Rick or from the Missouri Coast to Barry Odom. It's always going to – look at the guys that got pissed off when Pruitt came in, the defensive guys that left that got pissed when Pruitt came in. Same thing. I mean, there's always going to be a probably small handful. But, I mean, it's just going to happen, whatever. I mean, whatever happens, happens. Yep. All right, boys and girls, uh, anything, any final thoughts or anything, any wrap-up? Jason, any more recruiting? Huge weekend, I guess, recruiting-wise. Go dogs! quit being a bunch of big damn babies. (laughs) Absolutely. Either, either, either. I mean, I can understand. You said it's okay to be sad. Yeah, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. Yeah, it's okay to be frustrated. Is it okay to vomit all over your team for two weeks straight and call for everybody's head and say people suck? It's your team. It's your kids. You know, they can't dunk. Go to their games and love them anyway. I mean, grow the hell up. Why can't you just accept, you know, I don't understand why people can't accept the fact that we're rebuilding. And here we are on a recruiting blog, of all things, where recruiting is critical, more critical now than it's probably been in years to get it right. Why can't we just enjoy the process? We've got a great recruiter, a new staff, a new vibe. Just embrace it. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why we're there for to follow that, and that's that's fun, man. Let's let's have fun with it, baby. Come on, well, and, and think about. I don't think about how long how long did we wait for the first games to get here? How long did we wait for football? And we are now a third of the way through the season, almost forty percent after Saturday, forty some percent through the season. Done. No more. <laughs> I think we should implement the Curry Smart 24-hour rule 
<laughs> Let's be pissed about it Sunday if we lose and talk about it Sunday to your heart's content. But Monday comes, let's have fun. Yeah. Yeah. That includes the get... damn podcast, too. Say what? That includes the damn podcast, too. Well, we can't. I can't. How am I supposed to talk about it on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> How about 20-minute rule for the podcast? We talk for about over the first 20 minutes. 15-minute rule on the podcast. How about that? <laughs> All right. Shoot. Get it out. Let's, get it out. Let's roll, baby. Let's have fun with it. Them young boys may come out and just let loose, and Tennessee may crap to bed, and that'll be a glorious day. Yeah, no doubt. But if it does oh, happen, that's the thing that could happen. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's enjoy it. Three thirty Saturday. Get to hear Vern and CBS crew. Vern's one of his. Why first you got to? Why you got to end a podcast like that? Hey, I don't We're like trying to end it on a positive note. You gotta bring like, up freaking Vern. Because I'm in the minority. I like I like the CBS crew. Oh, Jesus help you. <laughs> Not a fan of Danielson as much, but Vern I like because he, he, he gets excited, man. He's just old. He loses track. Hell, I lose track of names and stuff when I'm on here even Lord so I, I credit. Help, help, great. Good <laughs> Lord. But uh yeah, and just enjoy the games and, and have fun with it. Some huge games this weekend, by the way. Washington and uh, Stanford playing. That's a Friday night game, I think, actually. So we can, after high school, we can come home and watch, watch those, those two teams go out, two top ten teams. Of course, Louisville and Clemson. I mean, it, there's tons of games this weekend. So just enjoy it and have fun, guys. Blue, appreciate it, my friend. Peace and love. Y'all keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. All Jason, right, guys. Go dogs. Big thanks. And of course Jake Jake Roos for joining us tonight. Give him a follow on Twitter at Roos Recruiting R E U S E Recruiting. And check him out on UGASports.com. All right, y'all. Till next week. Go dogs. Roof. Roof. <laughs>